Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? Well, good news. That's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. Now, the best books are made up of stories. And let's face it, the best stories are about bouncing back from failure. I'm Anna David, obsessed with books, a New York Times bestselling author and the CEO of Legacy Launchpad Publishing. And I only achieved those things because I picked myself up again after failing and found my way to success. And that makes me uniquely qualified to get the best stories about failure and success out of other people. Failure is always a learning experience. So after six months, I told him that I Googled sociopath and he had all of the symptoms and I found myself out of job. At that time, it was supposed to be a side hustle. Well, the side hustle started to make far more money than the real hustle. So I, after six months, I, I quit my job. Welcome to Failure Way to Success. Hello, Wayers. Welcome to Failure Way to Success, the podcast that wants you to fail a lot so you can ultimately succeed. Now, my guest today needs literally no introduction, but I'm giving him one anyway. Okay, here's the backstory. He claims he was mediocre at everything he did as a kid, and yet he ended up having his own weekly radio show by the age of 15. Then he became one of the top salespeople at Cutco Cutlery. Okay, then in 1989, he's driving home from giving a speech and he's struck by a drunk driver breaks 11 bones, suffers permanent brain damage, and is found dead. His heart stopped beating for six long minutes. You know the story doesn't end there since he's my guest today. But here's what happened. Six days later, he wakes up from a coma, and he's told he'll probably never walk again. Spoiler alert, he completely walks. Um, Okay, so he gets his life back together. Then 2007, recession hits. He loses everything. And in order to kind of get his mojo back, he develops a morning ritual. That ritual turns into The Miracle Morning, which is a book that has sold over 2.5 million copies and started a global movement. And by the way, I wrote one of them. I wrote The Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery. So I've worked with him. Okay, so all good, right? He's all back. Um, Well, then he was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia and given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving. Okay, so now he's beat cancer and gone back to world conquering. So if anyone can talk about failing their way to success, it's this guy, Hal Elrod. So before we get into this episode, this interview, remember, if you found success after your own failures and you want to publish a book about it, that's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. So find out more by going to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com or find out more about this show by going to FailYourWay.com. Now here's Hal Elrod. Hal, so excited you're here. Thank you for doing this. Anna, I'm just happy to see you in person. This is so great. It's a treat and a half. So this show is all about failure, the multiple failures that people have on their way to success. And your story is so perfect for that. Mm, Now, 
You say, you say in a bio that you were very mediocre at everything at school, and yet yes. you had a radio show by the time you were 15. Please explain. Ah, I love that. Um, yeah, that, that fell into my lap. So a buddy of mine, uh, Jake, my best friend in high school, uh, his older brother had started DJing school dances. And one night he got sick before he was supposed to DJ our, the junior high that I went to. I was a sophomore at the time that this happened. And uh, so a few years prior, I went to a junior high, Oakhurst Elementary School, and uh, my my buddy's, Jake's older brother got sick and he couldn't do it. And Jake called me, he goes, hey, Colin's sick. Do you want to help me DJ this school dance? I was like, dude, yeah, that'd be so fun. Sure. So we DJed the dance. We put out a tip cup. We got like $7 in tips, mostly quarters and dollars, right? And um, and But we loved it. And so I said, dude, let's start a, like a DJ business or something. Let's start, or let's start doing other school dances. So my awesome dad, uh, helped me. He, he put car, money on his credit card, put equipment and got all these speakers and strobe lights and fog machines and all of it. $1,500 worth, you know, back then, which would probably be five grand now. Um, and, and I worked at our grocery store. We owned a grocery store. And so I had to pay the payment every month. And uh, Jake and I started this DJ business. And then the local radio station manager in our small town, I grew up in a really small town. He heard that I was D, uh, a DJ and he called me one day and he said, hey, Hal, we're looking for a high school student to host a weekly radio show. And I heard you're a DJ and uh, you do DJ, you know, stuff all over town. Would you host the radio show? And I was like, that's my dream, you know, and I'm only 15 and it's coming true. Absolutely. So kind of fell into it. Well, of course, uh, I did start the little DJ business around town. So there was there was that. You rose to the occasion. Yeah. I would hardly call that mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. But but so and so then you. You start working at Cutco at what age? 19. 19. Yeah. How long did it, I mean, you rose to being one of the top salespeople. How long did that take you? 10 days. <laughs> Are <laughs> so, you serious? So I, and that's really where I went from what I felt was mediocre my whole life to being like, oh, wow, I'm capable of extraordinary things. So I was a DJ on the radio again. I, I After my first year of college, I got hired at 97.1 FM in, you know, Visalia, California, Northern California nice. or Central. And, um, and uh, I was making 10 bucks an hour and I was DJing midnight to 6 a.m. Right. So it sounds all glamorous, you know, like when I, you know, I'm dating girls being like, yeah, I'm right. a radio DJ, you know, making 10 bucks an hour, working midnight to 6 a.m. on two exhausting. days a week. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I was the grunt shift because I was the new guy. And my buddy, Teddy, uh, was a he 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 sold Cutco cutlery and he did all all first year of college and he would always tell me how man I could get you an interview you'd be great at this I said no no Teddy I've, I got my path I'm a DJ I'm pursuing radio I eventually want to start another DJ business like that's the path I'm going down and one day I was with him when he went to the Cutco office to get some supplies and he introduced me to his manager uh, who became my manager Jesse Levine and uh, Jesse was just really charismatic and authentic and like the way he described the opportunity where how you set your own hours there's no ceiling on your income the kind of experience you're going to get trying your hand at sales will exceed anything that you're going to get at you know like fast food restaurant or right. you know coffee shop whatever and um he really got me interested and i went all right i'll give it a shot and um on my second day of training, I learned about the Cutco Fast Start record, which was the most anyone had ever sold in the western half of the United States in the 50-year history of the company. And this girl had just broken the record uh, two weeks prior, and she lived an hour and a half south in Bakersfield, California. So it wasn't like she was in Beverly Hills, so that right. kind of helped me go, okay, wait a minute. She's like in Bakersfield. That's not any different than where I'm selling Cutco. And just something inside me, and I feel like Every person listening to this, it's one of the most important beliefs for us to adopt, which is if another human being can do something, that is evidence of what's possible for us. Yep. And we often separate ourselves like, oh, they're younger, they're better looking, they're more talented, they're more charismatic, I'm stupid, whatever. And I went, I don't know what it was, but I went, if she could do it, 
why not me? And I went to my manager after class and I said, hey, I said, I wanna break the record, the fast start record. I wanna sell more in the next 10 days than that gal did two weeks ago. And she had sold 12,000 bucks of Cutco, which is a lot. Yes. And uh, he said, Hal, I thought he was gonna jump up and down and you know, high five me and go, oh, I'm so excited. He said, Hal, I hear that every week in a training class from at least one person. Guess how many people in my career have done that? Uh, I don't know. He said, none. He said, it's one thing to say it and get excited it's gonna require more work and discipline and dedication and commitment than you've ever put to anything in your life. If you're willing to commit at that level, you can do, I will show you, I will hold you accountable, I will support you, and, and I believe you can do it. And at that point, Anna, like, I was, again, mediocre my whole life. I had no reference point of like, oh yeah, I can do that. I could, I could be disciplined and, and committed and, and work hard. And, but I was just embarrassed at that point to say anything other than, oh, okay. Yeah. And so I said, I'll do it. And it, if it wasn't for him, I literally called on the end of the first day. I sold zero on my first day. Yeah. And I was ready to quit. And he said, Hal, you can do what most people would do right now, which is give up. I go, that's what I'm thinking. He said, do you want to be successful in your life? I said, uh, of course. He said, the only thing a successful person would do right now is shake off today, get on the phone tomorrow morning and make tomorrow a great day and just keep moving forward. And so with his guidance, I ended up selling $15,000 at Cutco and uh, it all happened on the last day. I sold $4,000 on my last day in this miraculous fashion to break the record. So that was when I was like reborn is like, oh, wow, I can do amazing things, you know. One of your many rebirths. I don't know that anyone's <laughs> ever had as many rebirths as, as you have. Fair enough. So, and I know a bunch of people who also really thrived there. You know, Kathy Christian. Oh, you know Amber, Kathy Christian? Yes. Yeah. Amber Vilhauer. Yes. Like they were all part of your community and they're terribly successful. So yeah. I feel like Cutco at that point was this breeding ground for crazy success. Yeah. Yeah. And also John Rulin that you and I were just oh, talking yeah. about, right? Another he was very, there too? Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he was, he's actually their top rep of all time. So every record that I set, John broke all of them. He, he just destroyed them. Yeah. Um, but and was uh, it all phone? Uh, so it was, so when you started out, you started, it was mostly college students that were selling Cutco. Okay. So that's number one, no sales experience. Um, and you started out by reaching out to everyone that you knew. So your friends, your family, your, your friends, parents, your parents, friends, right? And you said, Hey, I started this new job. And as part of my training, you have to put on some training appointments and, and get your opinion on a product. Uh, I get paid just to show it, which you did. Um, and so there's no pressure to buy anything, but it is a really great product. And if you see something you like, you can get it. Great. So it was, it was this really great, you know, yeah, that's you know, a good right. Pitch. And they'd go, sure. Come on over. Yeah. And I would, you'd go in and then you literally, you, we, because you had no sales experience, we weren't, we weren't seasoned sales veterans. We had a word for word, like 28 page script. And you literally said in the beginning, I'm actually going to read this because I'm brand new and I don't want to miss anything for you. Is that okay? But if I look back, that's really disarming. Like, exactly. Yeah, like, well, how cute. Okay, you're yeah. Not, yeah, exactly. Like, you're not some hardcore like, salesperson. Yeah. Like, you're adorable. Sure, read your little script, buddy. But the product was so good that you read the script and you really explained all the features and benefits. And then they got to cut and they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Wow. And then at the end, you're like, hey, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you. Would you like to place an order for this set of Cutco and get your super shears and kitchen tools for free? Um, and, then, and then the way we kept going is they, at the end, you said, hey, um, the most important part, it, would you mind, do you know anybody that would, I could show this to? And then you'd ask for referrals. Yep. And again, because it was such a low key thing with a great product, most people are like, yeah, it's just, you're, you know, you're, you're fine. Yeah. And so then I'd get, I, the company averaged like three to five referrals 
but I knew how important that was. So I would average 10 to 15 referrals on my appointments um, so that I could really have a lot of people to call. And, yeah. and that's how it perpetuated every appointment, ask for referrals and just keep going. I mean, what a great lesson too. It's like as somebody who has a referral-based business, yeah. to be, to learn those lessons that you learned. I mean, the what training. And this is how good you are at it. I want to buy a set of knives. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. I wanted to get my boyfriend a set of knives for Christmas. I'm like, can I get – maybe he still knows yeah, people. Like I, know, I, know, I know some people. I, okay. I know a guy. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And so, and so then you embark on a public speaking career, the beginning of your public speaking. Well, first of all, would you say there have been any – failures at this point in the story or has it really been yeah. success success no so um i mean again failing throughout high school I, I got terrible grades right i was bullied i was beat up like many and if not most kids right um and then uh the you know and then in cutco i experienced failure after failure after failure like that was you know i would set a goal and i wouldn't reach i mean even my, like my first day i went out there i'm like okay i'm gonna sell at least a thousand dollars today and I had the three best appointments I thought were the most likely to buy. And it was no sale, no sale, no sale, right? So little mini failures. And there was plenty of goals I would set with Cutco and then I would fall short. And that's one thing about sales is, you know, my mentor taught us early on, sales is a microcosm for life's adversities at an accelerated pace. So meaning the average person is rejected rarely, every once in a while in their life. And the salesperson is rejected on the phone six times a day, seven times, 20 times a day, in person, on appointment, right? So you have to learn how to deal with it. And I started practicing this thing called the five-minute rule that my manager, my mentor, Jesse, taught me, which is when something goes wrong, set your timer for five minutes, give yourself five minutes to bitch, moan, cry, vent, feel sorry for yourself, get angry, whatever, feel the emotions. And when the timer goes off, he's taught us to say three very powerful, liberating words. Can't change it. It's an acknowledgement. I can't change what happened five minutes ago. So I can either continue to be miserable and wish it didn't happen, which doesn't serve me at all, or I can completely accept it, be at peace with it and move on. And so I practiced that philosophy for a year and a half with Cutco. And then to, you mentioned the public speaking career. The, well, the segue before I started speaking was my first major adversity, which I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour yeah. on the way home from a Cutco presentation or speech. Sorry, I'd given a speech at a Cutco event hit head on by the drunk driver. I was found dead at the scene. Um, I broke I broke 11 bones. I was clinically dead for six minutes uh, when the paramedics had, they had to rush me onto a helicopter and medevac me to the, to the hospital. And they had to pump blood back in my body, um, hook me up to a, you know, a defibrillators, IV, oxygen, on and on. And I, was, I had no heartbeat for six minutes. And thank God they kept trying and they brought me back to life. Um, I flatlined twice more while I was in a coma for six days. And when I came out of the coma, I, you know, woke up to this unimaginable, devastating Horror, yes. <clears throat> reality. And I was told by doctors that I had permanent brain damage and I would never walk again. Yeah. And so I'm having to rationalize, okay, wait, so I'm going to be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. I'm 20 years old. You know, I've got all these broken bones. My arm doesn't, my, my hand wasn't working. It, I couldn't lift my hand. And that went on for six months. They didn't know if it would ever come back. So I was in bad shape. And ironically, I pulled the five minute rule out for that I learned in my Cutco training. And I went, wait a minute, <clears throat> this is way more challenging than a no sale sure. or a canceled order. But the, the principle is the exact same. Wow. I can't change that I was in a car accident. I can't change that I broke 11 bones or that I have permanent brain damage. And if I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, well, then I can't change that. But I can choose to accept it and be at peace with it and move forward. And so while I was in the hospital, I decided I'll be the happiest, most grateful person anyone's ever seen in a wheelchair if that's the case, but I'm not accepting that as my fate until 
it's proven there's no other option. It's this, nobody knows, maybe I'm going to heal, who knows? So I'm going to put 100% of my energy, my intention, my prayer, my thoughts, my words, my actions into walking again. And the doctors thought I was in denial because I was so happy (laughs) and positive. And um, I remember my dad came in one night and he was like, hey, the doctors are concerned that you're not facing reality. (laughs) Yeah, that you're delusional, literally. And I said, no, it's the opposite. I've completely faced reality. I can't change it. So no point in feeling sorry for myself. And your dad is here. So we know that if that was not true, somebody would be objecting. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah, he's like, he's he's watching. <laughs> do, do, could we get any water for how? Um, I would give you mine, but yeah, no. you know, getting over something. Uh-uh. Um, 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 so in terms of the... Uh, did you have a short of white light experience? Like, do, do you think that that contributed to your attitude when you came out of the coma? I don't remember. Um, I've been asked that a lot. Like, did yeah. you see a light? Did you have a near death yeah. experience? You know, or you know, the kind of peace one has heard described, where everything. I have no recollection. So, the there's a very common injury with a head on collision where the front of your brain, your frontal lobe, which. I'm not a doctor, but I believe that is where your short-term memory and your judgment essentially are are housed. Yeah. That's why, and by the way, the, the irony is I was hit by a drunk driver, but the effects of my brain damage were as if I were drunk all the time. Wow. So I had virtually no short-term memory. I mean, literally, you and I could talk for a few hours. You could come visit me in the hospital. We could talk for a few hours. You could go to lunch and come back, and I'd be like, Anna, oh my so God, it's so good you. to see you. Yep, wow. literally. And that went on for, you know... I mean, months, years. I mean, today, I, my, my my family will vouch. I still suffer from permanent brain damage. Like, I do struggle with short-term memory, my inhibitions. I say what I think without... There's, I don't have that filter in the front. Yeah. Um, But I don't remember about two weeks of my life. So the last memory I have is getting on the freeway. And then the first memory I have is about a week after I came out of the coma when my dad had that conversation with me about the doctor's concerns. Wow. But um, so, yeah, so I don't remember if I saw a light. But I always say this. To me, what's more powerful than any recollection of like, yes, I saw a light, is just the sense of like this spiritual purpose of like this happened for a reason, yeah. but it's my responsibility to choose the reason. Yep. And I encourage everyone to consider that, right? Yep. The gold adage, everything happens for a reason, but people often go through life going, why, why, why did this happen to me? It's like, no, your responsibility is to choose the most empowering reason for you, yeah. for the people you love, the people that you lead, how you're going to show up, right? And so for me in the hospital, I remember it was actually the same conversation with my dad about the doctor's concerns. I said, dad, you know how I've wanted to be a motivational speaker ever since I started speaking at Cutco events? He said, yeah. I said, well, I never really had anything to talk about. Like I've had a pretty normal life. Like you and mom were good parents. Like I don't have any crazy, you know, maybe that's why this happened. Maybe I'm supposed to overcome this in the most positive, proactive way possible so that I can share this message with other people, Right. you know? And, and that was, so that was the, the seed being planted for my speaking career. Wow. And I was with Cutco for six more years. So I got to practice at Cutco for six years. Then I started speaking at high schools. My, my high school was my alma mater, like three months after the car accident, my high school called and they go, hey, I know this is rushed, but you think how would speak at, he called my dad, would speak at our high school. And so I went back to my own high school, wow. spoke there. And then I started high schools and colleges and, you know, and then now my dream is, you know, corporate keynote speaker. And, you know, and that, that took a long time to come true. Yeah. Well, and I've told you this, that I am convinced, I know I met you at NACA many, many years ago in an elevator and you had your book, that Your is Pal so crazy. Pal, that right? Is, yeah, yeah, and that's it. And I literally was like, 
is there something wrong with this guy? He's so nice. Like, <laughs> is he? Like, what's the deal? I, I live in LA. Like, people aren't that nice. Yeah. And I was, but I remember it. And then when I met you years later through Joe Polish, Joe, I'm like, yeah. no, 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 that's not the same guy. That's so same crazy. Guy. Yeah. So, okay. And so, and so then the recession hits. Yeah. And would you say this is the period of your life where you felt like the failure was coming back? Yeah, this was at that time, it was the lowest point of my life financially for sure. Um, but mentally and emotionally for sure. Yeah. Um, because in the accident, I think I, 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 in the accident, I think that, you know, I woke from the coma and I was like, okay, I can't change what happened to me. And, and it, I've hit rock bottom. It's only going to be, I'm going to heal, right? Things are going to get however better, maybe not a lot. I don't know how much better, but they're going to get better. So it was like things were on the up from there. Yeah. In 2008, when the economy started to crash, I was in, I was delusional then because I was like, I'm such an optimist. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. I don't watch the news. I don't let other people control. I create my own. I remember I I create my own economy. That was my mantra. I create my own economy. Um, And I think that is possibly true, but I didn't know how to do it at that point. And so um, in a six month period, I lost over half of my income. And I could not pay my bills. I, I what was your income? Was it Cutco and speaking? No. So I had just I had I had just hit Cutco Hall of Fame uh, about a year and a half prior, and that was kind of like the pinnacle for me. I'm like, all right, like I'm ready to move on. I I always had a desire to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, and Cutco is like this great hybrid because you, you're selling their product, but you're you're like an entrepreneur. You have to set your own appointments. You're in charge of your own schedule. You don't show up and get a paycheck. Like if you don't work, you right. So it's like this hybrid entrepreneurial journey, yeah. right? Um, but I wanted this, I wanted, I'm like, I want to create something from scratch. that's yeah. my own. Also a friend of mine, um, was like, Hal, you should be telling your story. You have a wild story. And for me, I was kind of numb to it. I'm like, it's just my story. Right. He's like, dude, you died and came back from the dead. And then the way you overcame it was, was like very few people would do that. He's like, you should be speaking and sharing your story. So, um, I left Cutco and I started, the, I needed to make money while I built a speaking career, correct? Because it's not like you can just go get a job at a speaking yeah. company. So I'm like, that's going to take me a while. And I wanted to write a book. So I started writing my first book, Taking Life Head On. And But I'm like, I need to make money. How am I going to make money as I transition out of Cutco? This was while I was still selling my last year. So I'm trying to think of my exit strategy. And I asked myself, well, what am I qualified to do? I thought, all I've done is sell a lot of Cutco, really, right? And then I go, what if I were to coach Cutco reps on how to do what I did. Smart. And so I started reaching out to my colleagues. I'm like, hey, um, would you hire, like if you hire me to coach you, I, the average coach charges like $500 a month. I've been doing my research. Yeah. Um, what if I did, if for the first six months, I would cut it down to $200 a month, just like as you're like, I'm your, you're my test subjects, right? Yeah. I'm like, but I'll help you some more cut go. So I got a bunch of clients and then, and that began. So I, I had grown fast forward to 2008. That was 2006. So in, in a year and a half, I had grown to, I think, $80,000 a year in, in, in coaching income. But you're working pretty hard for it. That's some hard work. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, I, yes and no, actually. I'm probably doing 20, you know, hour-long calls a month. So, or, okay. I'm sorry, a week. A week. So, no, I'm working 20 hours a week. It's actually not okay. that. It, I find yeah. calls very exhausting. It sounded exhausting to yeah, me, but yeah. hour-wise, not so bad. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. So, no, not, not too bad. Um, but, uh so, so that, that, so I lost over half my clients. Yep. Right. So, and I, and you know, and like most people, my income was like, you know, I, I nine, my expenses were 90% of my income. Right? right. So once the income went down 50%, 
I started living on credit cards. And in six months, I went from being a, like a Dave Ramsey, you know, debt-free student paying off my cards every month. Yeah. I had $52,000 in personal credit card debt in six months. Wow. It was just growing month after month after month. And that was so depressing and so scary. And I couldn't pay my mortgage. So I just bought my first house a year and a half prior. I lost that. It, the, the bank foreclosed on my house. Were you already married? I was engaged. Okay. And this was taking a toll on our marriage because yeah. I got depressed for the first time in my life. I never been really depressed. Right. And I was depressed. I was because I was hopeless. I'm like, nothing's working. And I'm getting every month. I'm not, I'm not, you know, that's the part of the whole car accident comparison where I always say debt was worse than death because death was rock bottom and it's only getting better from the moment I woke from the coma. In 2008, every day got worse and worse and worse and worse for six months, like this downward spiral. And then yeah. what turned it around, uh, I heard a quote from Jim Rohn. Uh, Jim, my buddy John recommended this Jim Rohn audio. He said, Hal, listen to this. this. This Jim Rohn audio changed my life. I go, all right, I'll try it. And I listened to Jim Rohn audio and Jim Rohn says, and if you're listening, this is worth writing down because this quote was the catalyst that changed my life. And he gave birth to the Miracle Morning, which is my book, my life's work, all of it. Yep. Jim Rohn said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And I had probably heard that before, but immediately it clicked in this way it never had where I quantified it. I go, okay, wait, my level of success will rarely exceed my level of personal development. So that there's two questions within that statement. Number one, what level of success do I want? And number two, what is my level of personal development? Is it is it in alignment with that level of success? And the first answer I think is true for all of us. Well, on a scale of one to 10, I want level 10 success. I, I don't I don't wanna be like, why would I want less? I want, I want right. to be as happy as I could be. And again, when I say success, that's an important part is it's in every area of life. Level 10 health, level 10 happiness, a level 10 relationship, level 10 finances. So then the next question, okay, I want level 10 success. What's my level of personal development? And let me define that real quick for people because I think that's a vague term. Yeah. Uh, to me, your level of personal development, it's measuring who are you becoming every day? Are you becoming a better version of yourself? What's your daily personal development ritual or routine that is enabling you to become a better version of yourself every single day to go from wherever you start at two or three, you know, four, five, six, and that you're gradually getting more, you're gaining more knowledge, better habits, more skills, right? You are becoming a more capable version of yourself until you get to that level. And, you know, and the, the level 10 is arbitrary, right? You never achieve level 10 success because sure. on your, on your deathbed, you could have done more you could have learned right you never become the level 10 version because you can always learn and grow but yeah. the idea is that you're you're working towards the best that you can be and creating the best life that you can yeah and so i i i, I said what's my level of personal development and that time in my life i mean i was i was depressed i i had canceled the gym membership i wasn't exercising i was eating cheap food because i was broke i was like and, and i said you know what i might get a two maybe a three or a four on a good day yeah and and so I had the epiphany. I went, oh, I need to go home. I was on a run when I heard this. So my buddy told me, you got to run, Hal. Get the blood to your brain. And I'm like, I hate running. He's like, do it. So I'm running, listen to Jim Rohn. And I run home and I go, I got to go figure out what the world's most successful people do for their personal development and adopt their practice and do it every day. And I can become that level 10 version of me that can create the level 10 success I want. And so I just Googled for like an hour what do the world's most successful people do for personal development, personal growth? What do millionaires do? What do billionaires do? What do, right? Just, just every phrase I could think of in that realm. And I ended up, I was looking for one practice, Anna, and I ended up with a list of six. Yeah. And I got a little overwhelmed. It was meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. And I went, 
well, I can't do all of these. So which one's the best? And as I'm going back through the articles I'm reading, there was like, there's no clear winner. I, yeah. I read this article called Fortune 500 CEOs who swear by meditation. And that threw me off because I went, well, I always picture like monks meditating, not right. Fortune 500 CEOs. But this article talked about how um, some of the best CEOs had their biggest financial breakthroughs, the biggest business breakthroughs. It also is how they manage their stress every day and they optimize their mindset. And I'm like, okay, well, I've got to meditate. Yeah. Then I came across a, a video of Ellen DeGeneres interviewing Will Smith. Now this was pre-Chris Rock slap. So sure. it was different, different Will Smith, right? <laughs> different yeah. feeling. Um, but I, uh, but she asked him, like at that time, he had the number one movie in the country. He had like one of the, one of the top TV shows. His album had just gone platinum, right? Yeah. She goes, Will, you grew up in the middle, in middle class Philly. How everything you touch turns to gold. How would you do this? And to paraphrase what he said, he said, when I was 15, I learned about affirmations. And he said, and I, start, I wrote affirmations first by articulating what I wanted in my life. Then I wrote down who I needed to be to create what I wanted. Then I wrote down what I needed to do on a daily basis to become the person I needed to be to create what I wanted. Wow. And I was like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And he said, I simply lived in alignment with the affirmations. I became that person. I created what everything I wanted. I was like, God, that makes so much sense. So I'm like, I get affirmations. So I'm looking at the other practices and I'm going, I, I can't do all of them. What am I going to do? And then I had a light bulb moment as I almost like just closed the computer. I was like, never mind, screw it. It's too much. I went, wait a minute. What if I did all of them? What if I woke up tomorrow 30 to 60 minutes earlier and I did all six of the most timeless, proven personal development practices that the world's most successful people have sworn by for centuries. That would be the ultimate personal development routine. And that would theoretically enable me to become the level 10 version of myself as fast as humanly possible. And I'll wrap up the story with how it worked out. I was thinking, give me a year. If I do this every day for a year, it's only a matter of time I can become that person. I woke up the next morning. And I sucked at, I was like, meditating was weird. Affirmations were weird. Like yeah. I wasn't good at these things. But even after one hour of poorly done practices, I was like, if I start every day like this, it's only a matter of time. And in less than two months, I more than doubled my income. Yeah. During the 2008 Great Recession. And I really want to highlight this for a second, Anna, because there's so many people, human nature is to point your finger at why things are not going well in your life. Of course, I'm, I'm struggling financially, it's the economy's fault. And that's how I'd been living for six months. It's the economy's fault. And I had no control to change it because it was the economy's fault. Yeah. After the two months, I went, no, no, no. I'm going to get better. The economy might not get better. In fact, it got worse. Yeah. I'm going to get better. I'm going to figure out how to generate income even in the midst of the declining economy. And so I more than doubled my income. I went from being in the worst shape of my life physically, having never run more than a mile in high school PE class that I hated, to committing to run a 52 mile ultra marathon because I decided that would enable me to become the level 10 version of myself in terms of my fitness and my mindset. And so I committed to it publicly to raise money for charity so that I had to do it or I'd look like a total jerk. And then the third piece was my depression. It did not take two months to go away. On day one, it, not that it went away completely, but it, I'd say it, it went from like a nine to like a five. Wow. And the reason is this, you think about it, one of the main causes of depression, and again, I'm, I'm not a neurologist, I'm not a psychologist, right? Um, but we can all understand in layman's terms that if, you, if the future is hopeless for you, if you feel like there is no chance for your life to get better, you're depressed, it's depressing. Yeah. And that's after six months of this downward spiral into financial ruin, 
I, I had lost all hope. But my very first morning ritual, and it wasn't called the Miracle Morning. I'll get to that in one sec. But my very first morning routine like this, these six practices, um, I went, uh, again, it was this hope. Like, yeah. again, like I said, if I start every day like this, it's only a matter of time. And I, I, remember, the, I remember the moment. Two months out later, I signed my se second coaching client for the day. And I went to look for my wife, Ursula, or my fiance at the time, Ursula. I found her in the hallway. She was coming out of the bedroom. And I said, sweetheart, I just signed on two more coaching clients. She's like, congratulations. I said, no, you don't understand. Because of this morning routine and what I'm learning and the mindset I've developed, I said, we have doubled our income in the last two months. It feels like a freaking miracle. And she get, she get, looks, doesn't even skip beat. She goes, it's your miracle morning. Yep. I go, hey, Ursula. I love it. Yeah. And so I started teaching it to my coaching clients, thinking if it worked for me, it could work for them. Yep. They're like, I'm not a morning person. They protested. But 13 out of 14 coaching clients came to their next call and said, Hal, I had my best week in my sales career. I am running. I am reading. I'm meditating. I'm, I'm doing, I've never, I'm, have, I'm a morning person and I've never been one in my entire life. And that's when I went, okay, if this changed, the miracle morning changed my life and I wasn't a morning person and it changed my clients' lives and they weren't morning people, this could change the world, if you will. And that's when I started writing the original edition of, you know, the miracle morning and the rest is history, as they say. Oh my God. I love it. I've never gotten the full story. Uh -huh. and that was incredible. And you know what it reminded me of that quote, faith is belief without evidence, mm, there you uh, go. which I love. Yeah. Um, so, okay. N cut to, it sold over 2 million copies, which, yeah. you know, net, the average book sells 300 copies just to put it in perspective. How many different miracle mornings are there now? Um, there are roughly a dozen, a little over, there's a dozen and some companion books, but there's Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery. The very best the of The best, of yes. course, of all of them, uh, yes. co-authored by Anna David and Joe Polish. Yes. So fun, so cool. Um, and then the Miracle Morning for real estate agents, salespeople, college students, parents and families, entrepreneurs with our friend Cameron Harold. Cameron Harold, yep. Um, the Miracle Morning for um, writers, um, you know, for teachers, uh, there's the Art of Affirmations coloring book, which my great friend Brianna Greenspan. Oh, she's amazing. Oh, you and know Brianna? Bri yeah, oh. because Brianna's now brought it all into schools, schools. taking it to oh. next level. Miracle Morning is her life. Yep. Yep. Which yeah. I love. Now that I'm a parent, I'm going to get the Miracle Morning for parents. I have to mm. tell you, because, okay, when I first read it, I was like, holy yes. I mean, I already meditate and pray, and I was all about it. And I, my my practice has slacked. Oh my God. And I bet anyone listening to this I is like, oh my God, I'm going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm so recommitted from this, which wasn't even my goal. I love it. So, okay. So just to wrap up, let's talk about, so have you experienced failure since then? Well, there was a pretty severe illness, but yeah. do we call that, we don't call that failure. It wasn't failure. Let me, so, so, okay, well, here, let me, I'll tell you the best failure story that I think is the most helpful for anybody listening. Yeah. Um, the uh, 2000, the Miracle Morning published on 12, 12, 12, the original edition, right? So the, 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 the new edition, the updating span edition will come out on 12, 12, 2023. So it's the 11 year anniversary of the original. Perfect. Um, the original edition though, when it published, I, you know, I was an unknown author or I self-published. I didn't yeah. have, yeah, I didn't have an audience, nothing. Um, but I, it had been changing people's lives because the three years that it took me to write the book, I was sharing it in speeches. I was sharing it on podcast. I was like just sharing it everywhere I could. It had become my life's work. So I already had, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of emails from people saying the miracle morning is changing my life. It's helping my marriage. It's all these really profound results. And so 
I felt a responsibility. That's why I wrote the book. I have to share it. Yeah. Well, when the book came out and I was like, okay, what's my goal for this year? I go, oh, you know what? I'm just going to go big. I, I, I want to change 1 million lives one morning at a time. That became my mission. The Miracle Morning mission, year one, change 1 million lives one morning at a time, which was sell a million copies of the book. And so I did everything in my power. I got on 152 podcasts. And again, I was unknown. That was just me emailing yeah. hundreds and hundreds of people and then asking for, I'd ask for referrals. These are my yeah. Cutco skills. Yeah. Every podcast I got on, hey, you know anybody else that this would be a good fit for? Yeah, I got a few friends, right? Um, and so I was on 152 podcasts. I uh, gave 36 speeches uh, around the country. Um, I uh, hired a publicist with money I did not have. That was all on a credit card going yeah. in debt. But I was like, I got to do whatever is my, I can. I got on like, I think 13 morning talk shows. Good morning, Houston. Good day, Sacramento. On yeah. and on and on. Um, I was on social media every day. Like I worked my butt off to sell a million copies. I did everything in my power. And at the end of the year, I failed by 987,000 copies. I can't do math. That means you sold 12,000. I sold 13,000 copies. Which is still so many books, but nowhere near a million. Yeah, I was 98 point, that was, it was a 98.7% failure rate. Okay. And um, I live by this thing that I created in my Cutco career. Uh, and then I wrote a book about it following the Miracle Morning called, it's called The Miracle Equation. Yep. And The Miracle Equation is, uh, I, the way I frame it is The Miracle Morning is your daily practice for personal development. And The Miracle Equation is a daily process for goal achievement. And so to me, it's how I beat, it's how I walked again. Um, it's how I, eventually how I sold million, you know, mir, mir, millions of Miracle Morning books. But it's, it's the two decisions, unwavering faith, which you just mentioned, yep. and extraordinary effort until, and, and then that word until I always say, circle it, underline it, et cetera. Because very often when we set a goal, it's only our time frame that's unreasonable. And so at the end of the year, I was discouraged for sure. I'm like, oh my gosh, because I think I did the math and I'm like, I was, it would take me 110 years or something like that or 76 or something crazy right. um, to reach the goal at that pace, right? So I'm like, oh, like that was not even close. And so I went, wait, okay, I live by the miracle equation. So that means I need to maintain unwavering faith that I can change 1 million lives one morning at a time. And I will put forth extraordinary effort for as long as it takes until I do. That was, that's, that's how I live, just a way of living. And it took me six years. I tried, oh, by the way, I tried year two. I was like, maybe year two, maybe I can yeah. figure it out. I sold 23,000 copies year two. Yeah. You know, so still not even close, right? Right. Um, still 97% off. And uh, it took six years. But here's, here's an important lesson for people. So number one, right, is that it's this, you know, the time frame is often off. You've got to yep. give it everything you have for as long as it takes. Yeah. And I love that phrase, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success because yeah. it took me six years, if you will, right? Yeah. Um, but here's, the, here's an important lesson in this. And this is for everybody listening who doesn't feel like I'm not where I want to be. Everybody feels like that. I want to be further ahead. Yeah. I'm not where I want to be. I look at people on social media or my colleagues or friends and they're so much further ahead. And I'm, you know, and, and we, we, we feel like we're not enough and we're not far enough along. Here's the lesson that I learned through this journey. When you finally get to the point that you want to be, that you've been working at so hard for so long and feeling like it's never going to happen and feeling depressed and frustrated yeah. and stressed, when you finally get there, whether it takes you six years or 10 years or 15, whatever, you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. Instead, you look back and you True. go, you go, oh, it had to take me exact this amount of time because I had to meet that person. Yeah. I had to fail that 
one time to, to, to overcome that challenge, to learn that thing that yeah. led to this realization, that led to this person I met, that led, right? And if it wouldn't have all happened that way, I, I couldn't have gotten here. And so my advice for you, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, wow, I really resonate with wishing I were further ahead than I am, um, is to be at peace with where you are. Live in a state of perpetual peace. Yep. There's no reason not to. None. Zero. Zip. Right? And so whatever you're going through, be at peace with it. When I was in my car accident, remember, that's why the doctor said I was delusional. But I wasn't. Right. I was at peace. I can't change where I'm at in this moment. Yep. I can do everything I can to keep moving forward. But where I am in this moment and this moment and this moment and the moment I wake up tomorrow in, that's where I am. So I can either be frustrated and stressed out and depressed and wish it were different, which is futile, or I can be totally at peace. And in the second part of the advice is maintain a healthy sense of urgency to wake up every day, do your miracle morning, become a better version of who you were when you went to bed the night before, and take one step closer to your ultimate vision for your life. So be at peace where you are and maintain a healthy sense of urgency to move toward where you want to go. I mean, I was going to say, we have to wrap up with your top tips for overcoming failure, but you just did it without, <laughs> so exquisitely. Um, this has been so fantastic. If people want to find out more about you, where is the best place for them to go? So the best place is miraclemorning.com. Um, that is a hub for, uh, you can watch the Miracle Morning movie. Oh, yeah. Um, we didn't even get into that. There's a yeah. movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's a 90-minute full-length documentary. It's really well done, and I don't I don't take credit for it. I give that to my filmmaker, Nick Conadera. Um, but it's actually really fascinating, and our friend Joe Polish is in it. Yeah. Mel, Mel Robbins is in it. Joe Polish, Lewis Howes, Robin Sharma, Robert Kiyosaki. There's a lot of really well-known, brilliant people in there talking about their morning routines. Um, and then 60 minutes into filming the Miracle Morning movie, uh, or sorry, 60 minutes into watching it, yeah. it, was, it was two years into filming it, um, I was diagnosed with a very rare aggressive form of cancer, um, yep. acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and I was given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving. Um, I was almost dead when, I, when they found it. My heart was failing, my lungs were failing, and my kidneys were failing. Um, and I called my director and I said, hey, the movie's on hold, man. I'm, I'm fighting for my life. Like I, They literally gave me one to three weeks to live unless the chemo starts working. And uh, he said, this is the movie now. He said it after a few nice pleasant yeah. friend things first. Yeah. But he said, Hal, I really don't think we should put the movie on hold. I want to come film you beating your cancer because that's going to inspire even more people, even even more so. Yep. He goes, I know your mindset. I know you're going to take this on in the most positive way you can. And, um, and so I was like, uh, uh, let me talk to my wife. I don't think we were planning on filming this. Um, but thank God he did because when you watch the movie, it, it's, you know, it's the most profound part is the last 30 minutes of the film. Um, but so yeah, miraclemorning.com, you can watch the movie. Uh, you can download the free app and, and the app has 2000 reviews in the app store, five-star reviews. People are loving the Miracle Morning app. Um, and then you can find all the books and, you know, the new Miracle Morning book, uh, you can find it there too. And that uh, there's pre-order bonuses, all sorts of fun stuff. And I'm touching it at this moment. So I can <laughs> tell you listeners, though, you can't see it. First of all, forward by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, it's gorgeous. You just feel good even looking at that color. <laughs> um, Hal, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, listeners, thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever been to Disneyland or seen a Disney movie? Okay, so now that I've gotten a yes out of you, here is my next question. How much do you know about the guy who made it all happen, like good old Walt himself? Well, in next week's episode, I'm going to tell you about him, about how he landed in Hollywood with $40 and a couple of pencils in his pocket, 
about how critics called the opening of Disneyland Black Sunday when rides malfunctioned and women's heels melted into the black asphalt? If you've ever been to Disneyland in the summer, you get that one. I'm going to tell you about that and so much more in next week's episode. Thanks for listening to Failure Way to Success. Now, if there's anything I love more than a failure to success story, it's a review. So I hope you'll think about leaving one. For more information about the show, go to failyourway.com. And for more information about publishing a book about how you failed your way to success, or just to find out more about what I do, go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. <laughs>